What ho, podcast land, and welcome to yet another absolutely fantabulous bonus episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Oh, Doc Past. <laughs> That's right. Looking around the room and at my screen, wondering who's going to speak up there. Podcast land. Let's see. Hang on. Let's start with what you already know. So, I'm Leon, the voice you just heard, Jim Cakes. Hello, Jim. Hello, Leon. Hello, podcast land. How are we all doing? Over yonder in Berlin. Across the table from me is Drew. Hello, Leon. Hello, Jim. Hello, podcast land. <laughs> Hello, Drew. Is is that all of us? Nay, I don't think so. For we are in the presence of podcast land royalty, podcast land. Before <laughs> Behold us. Behold your king. <laughs> <laughs> in here, in the flesh, at a microphone is none other than <clears throat> Michael Ridgeway! 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 Hello, Leon. Hello, Jim. Hello, Drew. Hello, Podcast Land. <laughs> oh, lots of underwear being thrown on stage here. Take wow. my gusset! <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Hello, Michael. Welcome. Hello, and thank you so much. It's an absolute honor to be here. Well, we are honored, and obviously you must be here this evening, because this evening, Podcast Land, we are treating your earballs to the Seventh Doctor retrospective. Yes, we have reviewed all of the Seventh Doctor, all of the glorious, I didn't actually count how many episodes, but... Twelve? All twelve episodes. 13 if you include dimensions in time. Which I'm sure will get a bit of an honourable mention today. Yeah. How about this? How about not just high level, but fuck it. Spotlight's on you, Michael. Why is the seventh Doctor the greatest Doctor ever? Because we know you think so. Why, Leon, I'm I'm glad you asked. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Three reasons. Just three? Just three. The seventh Doctor is the best Doctor. The seventh Doctor has the best companion. And the seventh Doctor has the best stories in the entire era of Doctor Who. Case closed. Right. Well, you heard it here first, Podcast Land. One of the reasons why the seventh Doctor is the best Doctor is that he is the best Doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Self-evidently. Right. Well, we're going to get into detail. We're going to dig deep into that. Don't you worry. Cakes. How do you feel about the Seventh Doctor? High level. I I very much like the Seventh Doctor as well. I don't know if I'd go quite as far as say the best Doctor because he's the best Doctor. But yeah, I enjoyed this era. I just was feel the like Seventh Doctor your Doctor? Technically, yeah. I I watched the Seventh Doctor probably before any other Doctor. I have mentioned on this podcast that I remembered like my first Doctor Who viewing experience of Paradise Towers. And all I remembered was that cleaning robot in the pool and how much it scared the shit out of me when I was <laughs> like seven or something. Which is laughable now, obviously. No, it's perfectly understandable. Drew Meister? I'm the least qualified to give an answer here, but everything I've seen, I have thoroughly enjoyed. How much of The Seventh Doctor have you seen? I've seen Time in the Rani. I've seen Paradise Towers. I've seen... <laughs> Remembrance of the Daleks, Silver Nemesis, Survival. I've seen a fair chunk. Oh, and don't forget Dimensions in Time. Oh, well, I'd like to forget it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Do we need to cover Dimensions in Time just very, very, I, I would argue, incredibly briefly before we jump into the Seventh Doctor era retrospective as, as such, because technically we haven't reviewed it yet in in 15 seconds how do you feel about dimensions in time five out of five why why (laughs) well number one think of the children 
children in need. Oh, yeah. What are you going to play the heartstrings for this? Pro children in need or anti children in need? <laughs> are you pro Pugsley or anti Pugsley? You know what? I'm anti children in need. I don't think they should be in need. Yeah. So he thinks they should be CGI'd. <laughs> I mean, yes. But there's a lot of like about Adventures in Time. It was in 3D at the time, which yes. which was mind blowing. I think I still own the glasses. We mm. thought this was the future of television. So it was incredible. Uh, it's got all the surviving doctors in it. Plus, it's got CGI heads of. Heart and yeah. Is that actually, oh, it's CGI. Is it CGI heads or is it a CGI Hartnell, but a screen grab Troughton? Oh, I don't. I, in my in my mind, it was. it was Maybe a CGI. I might be wrong. You know this rotating. way better than I do. They were rotating. I'll oh, that's probably true. You're right. They are wax model heads that they span around, shot in 360, and then. Whatever it was, it was awesome. You've you've got so you've got all the other doctors. You've got Colin. You've got the sixth Doctor meeting the Brigadier, which right. was which was a big thing. That yeah. was oh, because yeah. they hadn't met. Yeah, but then on the other hand, like what a sad farewell to the Brigadier. Like this this is the last time he's on screen, not dressed as a Cyberman. That's it, yeah, <laughs> I, I, not true. No, he was in the Sarah Jane Adventures. He he zapped an alien with his walking stick. I stand corrected. We really must get around <laughs> to reviewing these spin-offs. Mm, yeah, right. So, put a pin <laughs> on that. Jim Cakes, you mentioned before we pressed record, you've not seen Dimensions in Time. No, and I feel like has I have any... dodged a bullet. <laughs> I was going to say, has anything that Michael's just said convinced you that you've you've missed something epic? I mean, maybe sit to see the Brigadier and the Sixth Doctor. That almost sold me, but I'm still not quite convinced. <laughs> <laughs> May I submit John Pertwee saying, Madam, what year is this? <laughs> I mean, I feel like I've seen it already. Why would I go watch it now? <laughs> there was also a fantastic, it was on, it was on Noel's, Noel's house party and it was a two-parter and you got to vote. You got to ring in and vote who you wanted to save the doctor. <laughs> the choices were Mandy, because it was an EastEnders crossover. So Mandy, I'm not sure who, I didn't watch EastEnders. I think she was like a B-list EastEnders character. Or Big Ron, who was this big guy at the back of the old Vic who was playing darts. And I voted for Big Ron. Did you? Yeah. And it was, Have you seen the scene? Because on YouTube, you can find the discarded scene oh, that would have no. been. I've, I've always been deeply upset that it wasn't Big Ron. So I will go and see this. Well, yeah, sure. L- let me... I felt robbed. <laughs> robbed. <laughs> I'm sorry to spoil this for you, but if you get... So if you get... What was her name? The, the other one was, was Ma- Mandy. Mandy. So if you got Mandy, which you got on live TV, she just shows up and basically says, no, come with me. And just takes... I can't remember which companion... Joe Grant? It was Bessie turned up with the rescue. They all got into Bessie and drove off. But at some point, Mandy shows up and basically just says, hey, no, over here. Yes. Done. That that was the the saving scene. So if it's Big Ron, guess what Big Ron says in the deleted... I'm hoping he throws darts at the Rani. He just shows up and goes, no, wait, everyone over here. Done. End of Big Ron. And the rest of the episode is the same. I'm so sorry to have spoiled it. I preferred the version in my imagination. Fair enough. I don't blame you. <laughs> Your version is better. Also, in yes, it certainly is. Also, the dimensions in in time starts with whatever his name is. I can't remember his name, but the guy, the host, essentially reading a newspaper, and on the the outside cover, it says pictures of Cindy Crawford inside. Like this is not a children in need. Children <laughs> underscore children in need special. My eyes went straight to that. It was just like, what this is? This is for kids. <laughs> Not wait, wait, you just, you said pictures of Cindy Crawford. She might be gardening. 
You, you just got uh, a dirty possibly, mind. But his reaction is one of... And <laughs> I'm pretty sure, unless he's maybe he's really into gardening equipment. My question about Dimensions in Time is, is Tom Baker a dick? Because he's essentially the Marlon Brando of the Doctor Who universe at this yes, point. that is excellent. Hey, at, le- at least he turned up. You know, at least he turned up. This turned time. up where? He wasn't with the others on the same set. He was just in a studio. He's not in a studio. He's clearly in his bathroom. He's, he's, <laughs> he's clearly sitting on the bog. They've just draped a green sheet behind him. And he's just reading off a script. It is the least impassioned monologue of Tom Baker's on Doctor Who ever. It's amazing. I love it. <laughs> Tom Baker can do nothing wrong. Anyway, sorry. I wonder if this means we need to do a special on Dimensions in Time. <laughs> so we have a few things that we typically discuss when it comes to these uh, Doctor retrospectives. We typically talk about the best serials, the worst serials, why they're the best, why they're the worst, you know, what well, maybe was stand out. We talk about companions, not that many to choose from, but maybe we can rank them. Villains, aliens, we usually compare them to prior doctors, etc. Would anyone like to volunteer a best slash worst serial? I think it's probably more fun to start with the worst, because I think we've got a couple of contenders here, which Let's might be interesting. Here at Cake Boss. So I'm gonna submit the one that I rated the lowest by a long way, and I stick with it, which is Delta and the Bannermen, because it's absolute <laughs> Toilet water. <laughs> toilet water, like toilet water, or toilet water, like prison wine? <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, toilet water, like you've done a really nasty thing there and you haven't flushed yet. Fair enough, yeah. <laughs> what did you give that? 0.3. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> is that one that you watched, yeah. Drew? Oh, is it not? I think Michael's seen it. Oh, Michael, how do you feel about Delta and the Bannerman? Well, I gave it five out of five. A mere 4.7 different. <laughs> it's weird. Delta and the Bannerman is, is a, a weird serial. You've got all sorts going on. There's a great moment in it where the baddie's called Gavrock and he's, he's charged his Bannerman sort of force to a- attack basically pontins and it's just insane and you've got green babies and strange beekeepers and odd fbi agents running around it, it's i forgot about the fbi agents yeah you've got a bus full of intergalactic tourists on a flying bus it's great it's got all sorts it's very odd it's very strange it's very sort of david lynch it's got some wonderful Seventh Doctor moments. There's one of my favorite moments of the Seventh Doctor is when he goes to rescue Mel. Gavrock is celebrating having massacred a group of tourists on a bus by chomping on this raw piece of meat. And the Seventh Doctor goes and <laughs> basically harangues him in this sort of winging it sort of speech. And the cliffhanger is everyone turns their guns in him. But it just shows his the Seventh Doctor's, I guess, his bravery, his power, his... I'm going to stop there. Sex you appeal? Can, you can edit that out. Okay. <laughs> yeah. His NLP superpower? <laughs> Cake Boss, come on, defend yourself here. You've got someone who has the I mean, biggest Seventh Doctor erection ever telling you you're wrong. Yeah, yeah. Your witchcraft's not working on me, Michael Ridgway. <laughs> I'd stand by it being a pile of shit. No. <laughs> it has some merits, <laughs> which is why it's point three, not uh-huh. zero. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. It's got ambition. It's an ambitious story. It's a sort yeah. of intergalactic I... war, genocide, alien queen on yeah. the run. I mean, there's far too much going on, that's for sure. I feel like if it was trimmed a bit <laughs> and done entirely as comedy or done entirely straight, but it kind of lands in the middle and just doesn't know what it is. It's just farcical and... 
just stupid. Like I love weird, but it's weird to the point of it being stupid, not weird to the point of it being intriguing or intellectual or anything like that. It's just nah. <laughs> I totally understand what you're where you're coming from, Cakes. It's maybe not the worst one for me, but the fact that there's that weird love story. One of the humans goes, oh, wow, you know what? I just drank some alien juice and I'm going to turn into a green person or something. And uh, because I love you, princess, not Leia, who's actually a green person, but dressed in white, because if she if she looked like a green alien, she wouldn't have sex appeal on TV. After knowing her for maybe 12 hours, yada, yada, yada. That already When you know, you know. <laughs> it's got some great imagery i mean the cliffhanger of the green baby being born the opening sort of the crowning moment <laughs> the, opening... <laughs> the opening space war with the kind of violence cool ships the bannermen storming pontins the space awesome. space war is awesome i will give you that yeah but most of it is set out of butlins and, uh, and it yeah, is yeah. <laughs> and so obviously set out of butlins. so obvious yes you're right Interesting. Okay, so that's your worst one. Drew, I don't know which ones you watched, but of the ones that you watched, which one was the worst one? Slash, of what you know, we're not counting dimensions in time, what is the worst of the Seventh Doctor? I'm almost in a Michael-esque situation here, because I did enjoy every single serial I watched. It's only about half, but I don't think I gave any of them less than average. I think they're all 2.9 and up. Yeah. It seems really churlish to say it's either Survival or Time and the Rani because I really enjoyed watching them both. And it is because they're weird and out there and the whole production is so desperate and everybody's flailing around with a billion ideas each and seeing how many they can possibly fit into four times 25 minutes. Yeah, I don't want to shit on any of it. Okay. Oh, wow. Right. Well, fair. (sighs) Can I say which one my worst one is? Do it. Fucking greatest show in the galaxy. It can eat a giant plate of turds. It is the worst cereal possibly ever. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean, I give it? How much of this is because it has clowns in it? And how much is it because it know, is shit? And I grant you, you it cool is shit. <laughs> a what, sorry? Are you a cool rephobe? Is is that what you are if you're afraid of clowns? Yes, you suffer from coolrophobia. Coolrophobia. There's nothing cool about clowns, let me tell you. And I'm not afraid of them. I'm I am driven to nausea by clowns. I hate them for their life choices. We've already covered this on the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, no, it is. It, I, I find it absolutely deplorable. It's not particularly interesting. It has that missed opportunity of the, what are they called? Not the Ragnarok, the Valhalla. There's some sort of Norse mythology reference. I'm looking at you, Michael. It is Ragnarok. You'll know this. Ra- is it Ragnarok? It's, it, it's something. Ragnarok. Yeah. The gods, the, yeah. right. Yeah, the yeah. gods of Ragnarok who are teleporting of some, it's in some way, transmogrifying into our dimension where they have set up camp as a circus that lures volunteers into its midst, people who want to perform in said circus and in said performance, in said audition, they are murdered and their life essence stolen. Because it has clowns, it has robot clowns, the worst kind of robot, and it has, (laughs) I think, a love story I couldn't really buy. And it just feels like a really cheap Mad Max knockoff. Because it's set on a pl- planet that's just a, a dirty desert where no one ever showers. And it's it's just, oh, I'm gonna barf on the record. It is gross. For all the reasons <laughs> you've listed, you hated it. it the, the reasons I love it. 
it's weird, this weird circus. You've, the conductor, the tickets, please, conductor. That's one of my childhood memories. <laughs> I, when the circus explodes behind the seventh doctor as he's just walking calmly. It's fantastic oh, yeah. imagery. Yes, that is pretty badass. I agree with that. That is pretty badass. However, it also reminds me of Swedish James Bond movie, Hamilton. <laughs> Swedish James Bond is, is Carl Hamilton. And there is a movie with, oh, what the shit is his face? You'd recognize him. Peter Stormara. Peter, you'll recognize him from it. He's Satan in the Keanu Reeves devil movie. Constantine, uh, Constantine. Oh, yes, I exactly. I literally watched that like a few days ago. Oh, really? Good movie. Yeah. One of Peter Stormare's best appearances ever as white suited Satan with oily feet. Great. Really hot stuff. Anyway, he's Carl Hamilton in the Swedish James Bond, based on the novels by Jan Giu. Anyway, and in that one, in the Hamilton movie, sorry, this is such a bullshit tangent. In in the trailer moment of that film, slash the poster of that film, he is walking away from an explosion, and it just feels so made for VHS cover. <laughs> That's exactly how I feel about that scene in Greatest Show in the Galaxy. That thing was I mean, made for this is, one teeny tiny screen grab in sci-fi this magazine. This is peak VHS <laughs> era, <times>. though. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> when, when was Greatest Show? Also, I mean, that... this is all late 80s, but yeah. Yeah, true. What, what you're describing is nothing more than what TV productions nowadays do, which is deliberately set up visuals to be memed. Rather than appear on VHS covers, they are meme fodder. So... These guys were pioneers. Oh, absolutely. Also, fun fact, I'm pretty sure we discussed this in our review, Cake Boss, that when that explosion went off behind him, it singed the Seventh Doctor's coat, and he still just fucking maintained laser focus and walked away from like just casually sauntered away from that explosion like he had the biggest set of testicles. And I bought it. I bought it hook, line, and sinker. Do you want to upgrade your rating to 5 out of 5? No. But thank you for asking. I gave that 0.4. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we yeah, actually kind of swapped my places eyes. with that. <laughs> I gave that like 1.1 1. 1, and you gave Delta of the Bannerman like 1.0 or something. Yeah, that's true. It, 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 odd. <laughs> it, it all sounds great apart from the desert planet and the flying bus. Doctor Who should just steer clear well of both of those. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder what you're thinking of. <laughs> Cake Boss, what's your best episode? I mean, again, I think I have to stick with the ratings that we originally gave as as the key indicator. Partly because my memory's shit, but also because I do remember this being very good. So it's Remembrance of the Daleks is what I would pick. Nice. Very nice. Is that one that you watched, Drew? <laughs> yes, it is. With Michael, no less. Oh, oh, oh wow. hello. Right. Okay. Extra commentary track. <laughs> <laughs> How did you guys feel about it? I, I kind of, I can assume that you feel a five out of five about it, Michael. Oh, yeah. So uh, my first childhood memory is the cliffhanger episode one. So oh, my the, God. The Daleks rising up. So before then, it would have, all I would have watched would have been Zippy, Bungle and George and Postman Pat. And then suddenly this was on TV and it was like, what the hell is this? What have I been watching? Get rid of that stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is the kind of the classic. Well, when Doctor Who celebrated its 50th anniversary, they showed an episode of each, they showed a story of each doctor at the British Film Institute. And this was the one they showed from McCoy's era. So this is the kind of quintessential classic. Do you do you still feel that way? Now having seen all of it, is this really, it has some seminal ace moments, certainly. 
Yeah, it's it's uh, it's really good story wise. You've got deep themes. You've got racism in there. You've got genocide in there. You've yeah. got some really scary moments. You've got some wonderful ace moments with the baseball bat. You've got some wonderful doctor moments with his sort of uh, that he's fallible. He makes mistakes. You've also got this kind of manipulation side that's coming out. Yeah. And you've got some just some kick-ass explosions. I mean, the Dalek battle in episode four is, is awesome. The special weapons Dalek explosions here and there and everywhere. You've got the creepy girl zapping people. It's brilliant. It's got everything. I mean, I would disagree with you, but it's also listed on my list, on my screen as the best episode. It's <laughs> terrific. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my, this is amazing. <laughs> How did you feel about it, Drew? I was honestly very impressed. I was looking at all the effects. I was like, the giant spaceships that they built in that school playground or whatever. When it lowers down. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's a practical, that's a prop. It's a prop slash, it's such a big prop that it's a set. It's incredible. Very impressive stuff. You get Ace with a baseball bat. The whole neo-Nazi subplot is mind-bogglingly complex. Very impressive stuff. Radcliffe is one of the best. Radcliffe is his name, isn't it? He's one of the best supporting characters, I think, in the series. He's the sort of... Is uh, he the son of the B&B owner? Yeah, who who sort of allied himself with the renegade Daleks. I was on the wrong side in the last war and they locked me up for it. Uh, Right, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Very good. Uh, very yeah. good character. No, no, I don't agree. No, not very good. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> he, got a, he got his comeuppance. Is that the best one that you've seen as well, Drew? Or is there something else? That I mean, I heartily out? enjoyed Silver Nemesis, but I can't pretend it's mm. actually of the same quality. And were there also neo Nazis in that? What a neo Nazi filled season that was! Oh yeah, wait, that is <laughs> they true. Were, they were actual Nazis. Yeah, they were led by an actual. Exactly. Nazi. Oh, right. This, these are like boys from Brazil level Nazis. They're not neo-Nazis, they're just new Nazis. But yeah, it is a very good, that's a very good serial. I've got another one that I would like to give kind of an honorable mention in the same vein, and that is Battlefield. Battlefield is freaking badass. It's got knights, it's got robot knights, no less. It's got a weird Morgana, Morgane, I can't remember what her name is in, in that serial. It's got bagels. It has a space and time ship security system the shape of a holographic fish snake done (laughs) that is looks way better than the snake in flux you know what yeah i agree with you (laughs) and therefore presumably much better than olivia coleman's snake in the 11th hour Best snake, best snake award in in Doctor Who. Is it is it a better snake? Wait, okay. So wait, which other snakes do we have? We have that. We have Kinder. Yeah. Olivia uh, Coleman. What what else? Hit me up here. Come on. <laughs> give me some snakes. Give me some. The Grand Serpent. We the Grand Serpent. Basically describe him. Yeah. Where? Well, what else? What else? Cakemeister. Help me out here. What other snakes do we have? I don't know. Do you count the thing that Tom Baker's Frenched? <laughs> that was just an appendage. <laughs> I more than a snake. No, that's his. That, I'm pretty sure that's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> the, the what's it called the creature from the pit where he yeah <laughs> yeah it's the size of boa constrictor but it is his dick anyway there's mm, quite a lot of snakes and that's the best one i'm i have no doubt that you're right <laughs> <laughs> i'm quite partial to the snake in kinder though not the sequel kinder specifically the giant gigantic robot. yeah the like pink and white one you know what i'm talking about <laughs> any other noteworthy episodes i can think of a few ones or serials 
Curse of Fenric is Bingo. wonderful. It's very creepy. It's got, again, it's got some really good supporting characters in there. You've got Nicholas Parsley's Vicar Wainwright, and you've got the Russian Captain Sorin, and their fates are absolutely heartbreaking. I, I think I've only cried twice in Doctor Who, and one of them was was when... And Drew, you've not seen this, so I'm completely spoiling it for you. Cover your ears. Not at all. I'm just... <laughs> the anticipation is ramping up with every word. When Wainwright dies, I remember being absolute tears. Wow. I don't know who Wainwright is, so that's fine. Yeah. So you've got Ace... Losing. Seducing the shit out of a couple of soldiers. A wonderful. <laughs> a wonderful seduction scene. <laughs> <laughs> you've got ace losing her shit with the doctor ace has got real attitude she just gets she just gets fed up with him she just yells at him and lambasts him and says you know what's going on you always know what's going on you won't tell anybody you will you tell me now and then he he loses his sort of emotional control in his response and then you've got him quite cruelly manipulating her at the end to sort of win his game and, and the kind of period piece is, is good it's got a huge Lots of nightmarish imagery as well. I mean, there's bits in that with, you know, there's drowned soldiers in the sea. Yeah. There's people being horribly gassed. It's got the kind of hemovores. This was terrifying stuff when I watched it when I was, I was six years old. And, and it's still it's still pretty horrible. There's an intensity to it, definitely. And it is iconic for sort of all, for all the right, right reasons. I don't know if it's one of the best serials, but it's certainly very iconic. It, that's one of the, if you were to search for the seventh Doctor Who, whatever, on on Google, you would find screenshots of this very close to the top. For whatever reason, those hemovores emerging from the sea is one of the Kodak moments of the Seventh Doctor. A trivia, trivia, one of those hemovores was Sester McCoy's son. Really? According to TARDIS Wiki. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I felt a twitch. <laughs> Absolutely felt a twitch. Cakemeister, you gave that very middle of the row. You gave that 2.5. Hang on, I'm looking it up. You gave it 2.5. Uh, 2.5. Yeah, literally below. Yeah. yeah, I just wasn't feeling it, really. Fair um, enough. I don't discount the things people are saying, necessarily. I think it will forever live in my mind alongside Vampires of Venice, though, just because the hemophores ah, were just... Yeah, I know exactly. Utter, utter shite in the same, <laughs> same way as Vampires of Venice. I think, I don't know, through a lot of the classic era, and I think the poor episodes in the Seventh Doctor's run fit the pattern of just too much stuff going on, and then there's just things left that it's like abandoning a thread over here, or, oh yeah, this is the real thing we should be worried about, like get to two scenes later, or I don't know. And I'd, I'd struggle to even care about like Wainwright, the Reverend played by Nicholas Parkinson's, and you're having this emotional reaction to him, and I'm just like, Who's this guy? And he's like getting surrounded by these vampire-like Well, the creatures difference is like, you're an adult. I don't care. You were an adult when you watched that, Cakes. Well, yeah, I guess. Whereas, Michael, did you watch this when it aired? Yeah, I did, yeah. I just think he, he's he's a tortured character and he's lost his faith. And yeah, his, his end is very, very sad. Yeah, uh, well, that's, that's the difference. If you were to see that for the first time as an adult, you would probably react slightly differently. But I completely take on board how you feel. I'll, I'll say something else about that serial. Discussing it with you, Cakes, that is one of my favorite moments of reviewing The Seventh Doctor. That, that, that was a fantastic evening. That stands out in my mind as one of the most fun Seventh Doctor soirees that I've had. It's a terrific time. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I don't know why that stood <laughs> out for you. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure we it was great fun. Time, man. Okay. Well, thanks for breaking my heart, man. No, no. <laughs> my memory's terrible. We're always finishing recording like midnight where I am. So I'm generally just exhausted at the end of it and forget everything. <laughs> I must okay. be honest. Fair enough. <laughs>
there yeah, is I'm another ep- wake up in a year's time and go oh yeah i did that thing. oh yeah, yeah oh well yeah that was good <laughs> There's another cereal. Sorry, we should get away from best worst cereals because we've only dipped our dicks in the first category of this bonus episode. But there's one other cereal that I think gets very, very high ratings in terms of either fan love or certainly Google image search results. And that is the Happiness Patrol. I think a lot of people associate the Seventh Doctor era with Mr. Mr. Bassett, the licorice alien robots. It's, it's five out of five. It's a great <laughs> Right, yeah, I gave that 1.9 because it's iconic for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, utter garbage. <laughs> uh, let's see, what did you give it, Cake Boss? I, this, so I recorded our scores in a chart so I could easily kind of glance at things and then highlight nice. a few of them where we disagreed. This one is one we disagreed on. You only gave it like a 1.9, but I gave it a 3.3, which in this era was pretty much like a good mark i think there was yeah, a couple cause... that went, went above that not to Licorice. say no it's all about <laughs> no sorry sorry, sorry, sorry average yeah but yeah why why do you hate it so much what what got your back up with this one i forget I, I don't know in what direction to take this i hate it for many of the same reasons that i hate the greatest show in the galaxy like clowns are the licorice of entertainers and licorice is the clown of the snack world it's dreadful also like why would you have a robot that's made out of lic- like why would you have a robot that's made out of licorice it's so dumb no i refuse <laughs> to accept that this is a legitimate a fuck that cereal awful anyway <laughs> case closed <laughs> case not closed <laughs> It's a world where being being unhappy can get you killed. And who better to make poisonous sweets than a man made out of sweets with a poisonous mind? This now makes perfect sense. No, I remember it being slightly silly with the... Is that the one where there's a... Yeah, you have to be happy or you're executed. And then there's a kind of revolution because people want to be able to express yeah, their the, sadness. the killjoys. The killjoys. Killjoys, oh, yeah. yes, exactly. <sighs> Even in retrospect, I don't buy it. It it sounds like Moffat stole this and half-arsed it for The Beast Below. Beast Below is so much better. My goodness, is it better. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. That is one actually overarching thing I can say about the Seventh Doctor era. It's really obvious that New Who looked at this and they were taking things from the classic era. Like, I've never once thought that reviewing, like, Tom Baker, Davison... Colin Baker, maybe a tiny bit of Baker, I'm not sure. As soon as we got to the McCoy era, it's like, fuck me, this is where New Who sprang from. Like, this is the only thing they watched in 2005 when they were rebooting. It's like, yeah, just watch McCoy. Don't worry about the others. <laughs> okay. Well, like I say, the best era, you got to steal from the best, and they're standing on the shoulders of giants. <laughs> just on the, on the Happiness Patrol, it's got one of my favorite scenes in with McCoy. One of the reasons I think he's the best doctor is that. He uses words to defeat his opponents. And one of those is through getting through to people emotionally. And there's a scene in Happiness Patrol where he he talks down a couple of snipers. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. It's just quite powerful. And that's his power. There's not a sonic screwdriver in sight. He, he just he just talks these two guys down. And is this some, something about, like, no, the, a, a wise man thinks about the situation, doesn't use a gun, uses his mind. So, there's something about being... Rolls his ass. <laughs> 
there's something about being cerebral rather than violent. Well, he just sort of gets close up and personal and says, just look me in the eyes and end my life. And, and the guys realize that the snipers realize that they can't do it. It's moments like that that made me enjoy that more than some of the other serials that are, are just as weird. But this one, I think, didn't have quite so much packed into it. They spent a little bit more time being able to do scenes like that. They could have the Doctor have a little dialogue with some random characters who that's probably the only scene they say something in. And it's building the Doctor's character. Like, we get a little bit of that happening. It's not moving the plot along. It's not making some weird shit happen. Um, yeah. And I felt I felt like, yeah, this, this one was a little bit... I guess, uh, yeah, everything got a chance to breathe a little bit or something like that. Is this the one where there's a pink TARDIS, by the way? Yeah, they paint the TARDIS pink. I guess when he's talking the snipers down, he's showing how kind of fallible this regime is. And it's him breaking apart this regime bit by bit, which which by the end of the episode is is completely on fire. He's completely brought the whole thing crashing down. Yeah. And it's a similar thing that it's a very different thing in a lot of ways. But in Paradise Towers, he talks to, it's not the chief caretaker. It's one of the caretaker, caretaker leader guys. And he like, confuddles him with logic and gets him to release him from from his charge at that point and it's just i think those are the kind of moments that seven doctor gets that most of the other classic doctors didn't get i guess tom baker would have had a moment of just being a bit weird and eccentric at someone and they would have maybe got confused and let him go anyway but it's the first time you get the doctor being clever i feel like and it's purposely written that the doctor is clever nice that is that's a very nice observation completely agree it's that cleverness that sort of use of of talking people down whether it's through deception he, he deceives the daleks he deceives davros he deceives the cybermen through sort of talking them one way through manipulation through emotion Morgane, he sort of talks out to nuking the world and, and helena he sort of releases her emotion doesn't he and nihilism as well he, he talks a bunch of his opponents to, to just kill themselves Kane in dragonfire in remembrance of the daleks he talks a dalek into imploding yeah light oh, as yeah. well i think he results in it says a few things to light and light implodes so he it's this cleverness it's talking to people it's talking people into is it cleverness or is that just reusing a trope is it as in or is that just <laughs> is that just going this is what the doctor does we don't know how to write our way out of this episode let's just have him talk the alien baddie in a sonic screwdriver exactly like the doctor doesn't pick up a gun and shoot people the doctor has to talk himself themselves out of situations and a lot of the time that falls really flat because they don't write it well and i think that's the one thing they did get right with the seventh doctor era was they wrote a really quite often load of good ways the doctor could get out of a situation sometimes it comes across as him being a bit of a bastard and talking people into killing themselves basically but other times it's just the right thing in the right situation definitely agree we're gradually working our way up to i think historically speaking the final bullet point of a bonus retrospective which is the doctor in question and and, but spoiler alert yeah he's an he's he is a bastard he's an asshole and the best kind of asshole before we get to him though how about we take a moment to consider his companions not that many to choose from. Thinking of TV only, we've got two companions. We have Mel, we have Ace. Who I mean, wants to go first? In terms yes. of Mel, Can- I don't know if there's anything else to add from like what we've said. 
towards the end of Colin Baker's run with her. Like, I don't think she changed that much. She was still a bit annoying, but I still kind of liked her attitude and the way she was written to get stuff done in a lot of serials. But I feel like that did wane a little bit, perhaps, in the Seventh Doctor's run. She wasn't quite She's really hard done by, historically speaking, because people always associate the Seventh Doctor with Ace. And therefore, even though she had... Does she have, like, three three serials, I think? Maybe? She has... She's in it all the way up until Dragonfire. Yeah, she has... Four, including Four. Dragonfire. There you go. And they're, so they're both in Dragonfire. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. So that's a third. That is a third of the Seventh Doctor era is Mel, but no one thinks of Mel as the Seventh Doctor's companion. Everyone thinks of Ace. It is How was her third? Was she good? Was she bad? Was she clever, resourceful, yada, yada, yada? Was she a good botanist, <laughs> etc.? I had no idea she was a botanist. She's. Talk- Am I right? She's a botanist, right? I thought right? she was a computer... Was no, she she's a yeah. Oh, it was fuck, um, right. I'm thinking of the other one. Perry Who was. Of? Who's a botanist? Yeah, Perry was the botanist. There you go. I'm so sorry. See, she's so for forgettable that, for that, that one Perry? serial. <laughs> <laughs> You're so yeah, right. Perry I'm was so a botanist. Sorry. Perry was a botanist for the one serial that had nothing to do with plants. Exactly, um, and then she ceased to be a botanist when the baddies were plant based. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mel was a computer genius for the one serial that had nothing to do with computers or hacking. You're nets, absolutely right. You know. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Mel was, she was likable. She was a bit screamy. I think she's most notable because of comparing it to Ace. Ace is everything that Mel wasn't. Yeah. Ace was was kick-ass. Ace didn't scream once. I don't think Ace screamed once. She obviously looked fearful. In and, anger, perhaps, but yeah, never out of fear. She yeah, may true. have looked fearful in some of the cliffhangers, but she just didn't, she didn't scream. And Ace was completely kick-ass, whereas, whereas Mel wasn't building, blowing things up or hitting Daleks with a baseball bat or catapulting Cybermen. I think that's, it's that comparison, really. Yeah, sure. Did you catch any Mel, Drew? I saw two of Mel. I saw Time in the Rani where she was screaming constantly yeah. and Paradise Towers where she was utterly at the mercy of two little old cannibal ladies oh, yeah. that had to be saved by a himbo. So, <laughs> yeah, I found very little to recommend Mel across those eight episodes. Good stuff, though, right? Good stuff. She's got some lungs. <laughs> Yeah, the screaming in Time and the Rani is possibly the low point of this entire run. I'm not. To be honest, sure. if I was getting licked by a giant Agreed. bat, I, I think I would scream. If you oh, wait, sorry, wait, if you were getting licked by what? A giant bat. Say that again, but slowly. <laughs> <laughs> Leon's thinking about a different kind of screaming now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't ask me to stand up right now. Good stuff. I'd forgotten about the bats. Great costumes, though. Fantastic outfits. They were amazing. Like the, just yeah, the yeah. prop. Yeah, so good. Now I'm thinking maybe I should have considered them in the best worst aliens category coming up. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I'd have to agree. Uh, of the, if I have to rank those two, Mel unfortunately gets second place because she just she's screams nice. all the time and i feel she can't really act necessarily but ace is great she's mad she's a pyromaniac she's an expert seductress faster than <laughs> second hand on a watch and so on and so forth uh, really good stuff licks like a bat <laughs> <laughs> i haven't seen much but i would say that with ace there always seemed to be more potential like in survival Ace starts developing animalian characteristics. And I'm like, well, of course, let's go there with Ace. If that happened to Mel, well, it just wouldn't have happened to Mel. I don't know. She was just paper thin. 
I don't I don't yeah. get what they were doing that whole time, the writers, what their intentions were. I don't get it either. I don't think she was ever given a chance to develop as a character. No. Maybe they had ambitions, maybe they wanted to do something with her. I think they Sorry, were trying something different because they brought her in without any leading into it. Like it was just Oh yeah, you're right. here's a companion you didn't know existed. She's been travelling with the She's doctor. She's travelled for... with the doctor for a long time. Yeah. yeah. They're already X friends. amount of time. We're not even gonna tell you that. They jumped us in the middle, so we never got even a progression at the start. And then yeah. she got nothing True. in her run either. She was she was likable. She was all right. You know, she was likable. She was five out of five. Five out of five. <laughs> she wasn't, you know. <laughs> You know, some of the companions are like, my God, thank goodness they've left. But she was all right. It's just that Ace was so good. Ace is, is, has been the best companion there has ever been that, that Mel will always be in. The, wait, wait, in wait, the wait. Show. Is she better than Sarah Jane? Ace is better than Sarah Jane. Why? Yeah. Why is she better than Sarah Jane? This is a controversial opinion. You heard it first on Who Back When podcast land. <laughs> Breaking news. She's got, the, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's got the same kind of kick-ass attitude as Sarah Jane. Okay. But then she's got that kind of element of, of, of kind of action as well that Sarah Jane just didn't have. You know, Sarah Jane wasn't blowing stuff up and, and smashing stuff with the baby. But Sarah Jane did, didn't take any shit from the Doctor. She would stand up the Doctor, but Ace does that as well. Sure. Sarah Jane was quite screamy. Like I said, Ace didn't scream once. There's a wonderful moment at the survival episode one where the cheat person appears on the horse in front of Ace. Hot. And the look on Ace's face is one of, wow, that is awesome. And then she goes on the slide and stuff. Where <laughs> everybody else that the cheat person the horse has attacked previously in the episode has, has just ran down the road screaming. It's that, there's that look on Ace's face that just, this, this, this companion's awesome. I can only contribute one piece of potential evidence to the court. I'm unzipping in anticipation. <laughs> Because of watching the five doctors, can you imagine Ace ever rolling j- down a gentle incline and screaming as she goes? Nice. Yes. Thank you. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Good call. <laughs> <laughs> I think the other thing with Ace is I think you're right to identify there's a lot of similar character traits with Sarah Jane in like they're willing to get shit done and they're both competent and all this kind of stuff. But there's the naivety with Ace. Like she's so young, she's so fearless. Like that's why she doesn't scream at shit. Like she's intrigued by it and like up for adventure and all this kind of stuff. And it just makes better viewing. Like especially in this era of Doctor Who, I think where everything was quite fast paced for the most part. Seeing someone who's there willing to grab a baseball bat and smack a Dalek was exactly what this era needed, and we all fucking lapped it up. <laughs> yeah, like a bat. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I'm in complete agreement with you. She also had some kind of a, a, a development arc, which I think was new. And I'm not entirely sure you could say any other companion had had in, in the same way that Ace had. You had at least three stories that were based around her in, in, in some way. I will give uh, them a, oh, that's a C plus for trying with that. Yeah, they definitely <laughs> tried. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you on this one, Jim. There's intention to have an arc, but then parts of it are kind of abandoned or when they get a chance to actually fulfill that arc, to actually get the character development to a certain crescendo, they just abandon it or they forget about it. She wants to get home. When she gets home, she's like, oh, fuck it, let's go elsewhere. What? That's what your entire thing is about. You want to go home. Yeah. Their attempt at doing an arc for a character, they literally, I think it is three episodes. They literally had three episodes. They decided to make a mention of this. 
like her backstory, her mother, how much she hated her, ghost. and growing up in Paravale, all this, this ghost house, all this kind of stuff. And these are the episodes that they fucked up with the order of filming <laughs> yeah. and then releasing. And so That's it's so all true. just an absolute mess. Like, if you cared about it, do it properly. Come on. <laughs> yes, agreed. How about we move on to the anti-companion, the anti-doctor, the villains. Anyone have any thoughts on villains? Well, I had to write down a list to kind of see see if we agree that these are villains. And then we can maybe pick, uh-huh. pick some to talk about. So we had the yeah. Rani. That's kind of unquestionable. Yes. <laughs> right in the first episode do you want to take like someone like the chief caretaker from paradise towers and the great architect are they good enough to be villains i don't know <laughs> i i've got the architect as my worst one i yep, also have the ronnie as both my best and my worst one <laughs> because, <laughs> i get it perfect. i get it <laughs> Because in this instance, I am including dimensions in time. And, um, I mean, I get it just from the arch- Time and the Rani. <laughs> Time and the Rani and Mark of the Rani shows a marked decline in one baddie's development. Or a timely improvement. <laughs> <laughs> or a rani time... Men- no, it doesn't work. <laughs> the, the architect is the one who goes, Hungry! Right? Yes, exactly. Ah, yeah. Who's a robot who then turns not Hitler into silver, not Hitler. Great. <laughs> what an allegory. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I have a different best one, but I'll, I'll hold fire. Who else has a best or worst one? It's a difficult choice. You've obviously got your A-class villains that are there, but you've got some un- you've got some really, really good villains of the week. The Candyman. We've spoken about Candyman, but I think the Candyman's awesome. Um, mm. Kane in Dragonfire is pretty good. I love Gavrock chomping on his, his raw meat in, in Delta and the Bannerman. Light is pretty interesting. Sort of Terry Pratchett-esque baddie trying to count everything and keep track of everything and getting upset that things are evolving and changing. Light is interesting, but I don't know if Light is well executed in that yeah. serial. And it, I think if the serial had tried harder to make that logic sound, I would have cared more. But like, it was just totally unrealistic, the motivation of this character counting and everything and then being asleep and then going, oh no, it's all changed. It's like... Yeah, it changes every second, you doofus. Like, it's the <laughs> yeah. That's what accountants do. My, da- my dad's an accountant, and he'll go to finish work, go to bed, wake up in the morning, and be like, no, all these numbers are different again. That's what do. <laughs> Maybe I'm just ignoring all the busy work in the world. <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving aside the Daleks for now. I think in terms of my best would probably be Fenric. Bingo, same. Absolutely. I think Fenric was really interesting. It's When Fenric appeared, the first line in the cliffhanger of episode three was, we play the game, we play the game again, Time Lord. You suddenly, wow, this, this person's serious. And the fact that Fenric's taking the bodies of characters that you previously quite liked. Do you want to talk about Fenric? Should I go on to Sure, yeah. Oh, well, I don't mind. Do, do, do you have something else to add about Fenric or, or Cakes? Do you want to say something I, about Fenric? I think on Fenric, when Fenric takes the body of Sorin, I remember that. I remember being deeply, deeply upset watching that at the time because Sorin was a character that you really liked. He was an ally of the Doctor and Ace. He obviously started to have some yeah kind of beginnings of a romantic attachment with Ace and and he was a which bit is of a... utterly unbelievable <laughs> <laughs> completely unbelievable and then when Ace turns up and he, he, he sort of she thinks he's he's her friend and he turns around and, and he's Venric it was it's heartbreaking it's horrible it's a horrible horrible moment in a horrible but masterful story 
another yet another horrible moment in a serial full of horrible moments that serial is just full of horror it really is it should never have been broadcast it's, it's, <laughs> i'm 40 years old i've still got all sorts of nightmares from that story but that really stands out yeah fenric is is really yeah quite a very very good villain Fenric is interesting in the sense, also, I agree with everything you just said. Also, on top of that, Fenric is interesting because just like so many other baddies, nemeses, Fenric is one of these ancient evils that have been, they've been around since forever, since the dawn of time, and they've met the Doctor way before we met the Doctor. But it's slightly believable because there's an infrastructure underneath Fenric. He's he's amassed this army and there's a hierarchy between him and the Hemavores and he has people who's, whom he's either enslaved or he's somehow employed and he's got employed them to enslave others. There's a whole, there's a whole culture of Fenric. Plus you've got the iconography of chess pieces and all that jazz. It's cool stuff. And... Fenric can take the shape shape of any person or slime in a church wall you like. I'm one over. That's good stuff. So Fenric is basically swarm crossed with the Grand Serpent. Slash, I believe this was your observation, Jim, in Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters 2. Ghostbusters 2. The slime. Exactly. The slime that is evil and also personifies... Like the, the sorry is is then personified by the baddie of of that movie. There is a slime equivalent, a slime square equivalent of Fenric, which just happens to be inside a church wall for no reason whatsoever, by the way. And it's badass. You know what? There is an extended version of Curse of Fenric. I never watched it. I have it. If you want to watch it, Drew, just saying. You guys are talking it up so much. I am desperate to. Bingo. <laughs> I might watch it again. This is selling me almost, and the second beer is doing half the work as well. But <laughs> I'm still not convinced. I still feel like it falls short in a lot of ways. But there's fair enough. There's some interesting concepts, and, and the concept of Fenric, I do, I do like that. I like that he can inhabit different bodies, and I think it was done reasonably well. I think I just didn't care as much about the people when they were taken over. Like, what was the professor guy, Doctor Doctor Judson? I think I'm just seeing on Wikipedia. Like, he was just a bit of a dick. And then the whole relationship with Sorin and Ace, I just didn't buy at all. And it's sort of like, oh, okay. You were a nice enough guy who was sort of the bad guy, but now you're not that person anymore. You're the real bad guy. I don't know. Just didn't quite sell me in the same way. I would like to submit a villain who I think think is settling in my mind as... I don't remember it in greatest of detail. I probably remember Curse of Fenrir more. But I think Morgane was just a really nice, nice character. And I feel like presented herself as an equal to the Doctor. Had had that kind of level of grandeur, but without the skipping over of, oh, this is a great foe we just haven't told you about them before type thing. It was just, oh no, Morgane is around and the Doctor... Actually, no. Actually, no. I... F- forgot this does have the exact same thing doesn't it where it's like the doctor has been Wait, what? For centuries and there's the whole thing coming back around again is it is it the doctor or is it the doctor from a parallel universe who's done the planning because more gain is more gain but from a parallel universe right oh is it something like that i think so wait am i right in thinking this i, I think so because you get dead king arthur in that serial as well but it's not king arthur from our universe it's king arthur from a different universe where he's dead and a part of a spaceship or something oh yeah am i right yeah. i'm getting a I thumbs that's right nice i'm getting a thumbs up from michael that's all right <laughs> 
I agree with you, but, though. Morgane is terrific. Yeah. The Morgane bagels meeting. How do you feel about that? Isn't that amazing? I mean, bagels meeting anyone is amazing. I'll kill you. Sort of. yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's really, yeah, it's really memorable. Yeah. <laughs> yes to both of you. My God. <laughs> How right. goes the day? It's, yeah, it's a nice place. Can I just mention at this point, Lady, is, is it Painfort from Silver Nemesis? Oh. I enjoyed every moment she was on screen. Oh, really? Really? <laughs> <laughs> when they told the Rani in Dimensions in Time to be less camp, why, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just, yeah, what more do you want? What do you want? There was a, with, with her, there was a bit, a little bit of gravitas there, similar similar to Fenric in that she'd met the doctor before, they'd had yeah, yeah. they'd had a run-in before. There's something there, like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah, and, and she's imperious and she's got a peon who she's bullying the whole way through, <laughs> basically. And she manages to travel through time using a potion, potentially, or a time storm later on, who knows, possibly revealed. Yeah. And it's just so random where she's zipping all the time, but she does it with such authority and certainty. She'd make a great politician. So, yeah, she'd, she'd get a few votes for sure. Those are the villains. They are obviously not all humans. They are some of them aliens. What are some of the best and worst aliens in general across the 12 serials of the seventh Doctor? The Cybermen are not on top form, I think, no. in Silver Nemesis. But be, after their initial, and again, watching this at the time, that cliffhanger, when they first come out, it was incredible and, and memorable and, and very exciting. Their opening battle with the Fourth Reich, all four members of the Fourth Reich, is <laughs> awesome. It's battle-tastic. And then they're just a bit dumb. I don't know why Cyber Command decided to send down the dumbest troop of Cybermen for this really important mission. There's a moment where I think they have the statue in a castle, and then they decide to all leave the castle to lure someone in to get it, but it all goes wrong. And they leave their ship unguarded or guarded by those two kind of cyber slobs. It, <laughs> the, the, the Cybermen are not on top form intellectually in that serial. Fair enough. But they look great. Are they the worst I mean, I, Cybermen? Oh, sorry, Cakes. Was, yeah, this is not the worst that Cybermen have been. I feel like Classic Who has done way worse <laughs> with the Cybermen. But I totally, <laughs> totally get what you're saying. Like, weirdly, in my head, I'm now thinking the non-canonical Doctor Who film which i forget the title of from the 60s probably does to cybermen better because it's all about people being taken over it's that emphasis when the cybermen are just like foot soldiers they're shit wait which one is this i think you're talking about robo men but these guys are oh, they robo men they look exactly oh, okay. the same as they do in the one they've, of the 60s films the second 60s they've film. got the headphone gear very si- it's probably right. the same prop in my head, they were always Cybermen. I didn't realize that they weren't anti Cybermen. I thought that was that movie's version of Cybermen because I knew it wasn't ah, canonical. Okay, interesting. No, no, that's but fair, anyway, fair, fair. But fair. that idea, which which knew who picks up a bit more of, of the idea that people are being turned into Cybermen, like that part of the cyber mythos, I think is the really interesting part. As soon as they get bogged down into just, oh, we're an army of robotic people. They just, yeah, they come across as like dumb foot soldiers and it falls apart a bit. Yeah. 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 There's no, they're paralleled with the new Nazis in that serial, but they're all, like, there are no officers among them in a weird way. There's no one who's actually representing strategic thinking among them, I think. 
Do they have I'm a, a leader? I'm faced or? with silence. There is a side of a leader because he goes to, yeah, with what? his fist eradicate them. So yeah. there's, there's someone in charge, but he's not great. But compare him to boys from Brazil, the equivalent new Nazi dudes. Yes. He's like, no, I've got a plan. I've got a vision. This is what I'm going to do. I hate everyone who's not me. Everything's going to be fan- fantastic and very homogenic. <laughs> but, but yeah, we're, we're going to make this happen. The Cybermen are just like, mm, well, yeah, that pretty let's much, go there. Let's that, get an arrow. That, that <laughs> meh kind of sums up the Cybermen in this serial. Yeah. They're very ponderous. Ponderous? I think so. All right, fair. Yeah. <laughs> Are they the worst aliens of the Seventh Doctor era? Ooh. Do they represent the absolute scraping the barrel of the Seventh Doctor universe? This doesn't really count as an alien, but I think it's time in the Rani where they release the flesh-eating flies or something and they're just green dots wavering around on the screen and everybody's (laughs) felled by them. It's the most underwhelming couple of minutes. Totally forgot about those. Yeah, that is true. That is pretty shit. (laughs) I mean, on the subject of underwhelming, I think I'd have to submit the Destroyer. Like, this is a creature that's just... So bigged up as like dist- capable of destroying the universe, and he's he's worse than a little firework in the end. Like I don't know. Okay, never uh, got uh, there. Quick, someone asked me who my best alien of the Seventh Doctor era is. Leon, who's your best the alien destroyer? Of the-, the destroyer is fucking immense. The destroyer looks incredible. The destroyer <laughs> looks amazing. He looks like every single baddie from Buffy the Vampire Slayer had a transporter accident and a budget. He looks incredible. <laughs> He's got the dribble. There's loads of slimy dribble coming off him. When the Brigadier yeah. shoots him, you see the kind of bullet hits. It's great. They it's shot great. a stuntman for that. Yeah. Like, they literally <laughs> killed a man, Cakes. You think that's... A... They murdered a dude. I mean, I'm assuming you're joking, but the lag makes <laughs> it you unclear. <laughs> that's why it was actually taken off air. <laughs> So sorry, I put you on the spot there. But okay, yeah, fair enough. It's solely for visual reasons, for prop reasons. But to me, wow, what a dude. He's 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 a badass. He's really evil, and he looks incredibly realistic. I and think he's blue. I, I have nothing against that, and I think if they had just dialed down the expectation, I would have thought it was amazing. But to present this thing as the destroyer, like Eater of Worlds or whatever the fuck they said, and it's <laughs> yeah, just that's like it. nothing happens. There's barely a threat, and of course nothing happens because they're not going to destroy a world in Doctor Who. He nearly kills the Brigadier. He does need need to kill the Brigadier, and he says, I'm going to eat this world, and then what am I going to do? I'm going to go and eat another world. (laughs) 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 I I take what you're saying on board, Jim. He doesn't actually get to eat any worlds. But he yeah. looks so badass, failing at what he wants to do. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to release a destroyer of worlds, have a sacrificial world get destroyed, and then we know, fuck, this is real shit, man. Oh, um, that's true. Which is what they oh, would do in New Who, where they've got me, more of a budget for done. CGI and stuff. <laughs> have a planet um, of the shit eaters. Of the, what are they called? Tritivores. Tritivores. Have a planet of Tritivores and just have them eaten by the Destroyer. Done. Yeah. I'm on board. Now the Destroyer is the greatest villain ever. Just sounds like Complex from Bucky O'Hare, but whatever. Wait, what now? What? Bucky Carry on. <laughs> I know I watched it. I can't remember anything about it. 
Is this the space captain rabbit dude? Yep. From a cartoon? Yep. Holy flip! I watched this as a child. I remember this. Any any other aliens, best or worst? As much as I liked Delta and the Bannerman, as much as I liked Gavrock, the Bannermen were, were they visually uninteresting. I loved their Delta Force assault on Pontins, but they were just guys with wearing black with sort of funny glasses and red, red tongues. tongues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And the green guys at the beginning were way more interesting. They should have been the Bannermen. Those those kind of green guys. They looked fabulous as well. Yeah, bring those guys on. Yeah. In their soldier form, not their baby or princess form. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they looked very cool. I the master, also... I mean, you covered this in... Oh, sorry, Jim. No, no, sorry. Go ahead. Let's start again. You covered this in your survival review, but, but the master, even though his performance was very interesting and very nuanced, he was intellectually not the master we've known before. He didn't seem mm. to have a master plan. He was not really in control of events, which is kind of interesting in itself, but it's not the kind of seventh doctor master confrontation that i think we would have all wanted they they shared very few scenes together yeah a huge missed opportunity there unfortunately i didn't even consider the master actually on my list just such a waste of master potential yeah. i have the bannerman as my worst as well i have the bannerman slash any like insert clown from greatest show in the galaxy here <laughs> yeah you destroyed my childhood with your uh, i'm so sorry your decimation of greatest no no show in the galaxy. Uh, i'm so sorry you're a great guy but uh, and i hate to do this but i'm <laughs> pulling my trousers down and i'm taking a massive steaming dump on your childhood i apologize <laughs> also please never say insert clown again <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, not something I'm ever gonna gonna. Let's call it Google. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we've talked we've talked serials, companions, villains, aliens. This is the Seventh Doctor retrospective. There is one title character here we have not actually talked about. We haven't talked about the Doctor. How do you feel about the Doctor? How do, how does he compare to prior Doctors? Now retros- retrospectively, how does he compare to? following doctors there, there i feel like there are a few characteristics of his that are worth bringing up but who wants to grab the torch and run with this okay all hands on the screen are pointing in my direction i will say some words i freaking love sylvester mccoy nice I, I love the seventh doctor it has to be said i think yeah they wrote some shitty serials yeah they wrote the seventh doctor poorly sometimes but I think he's one of the most interesting portrayals of the Doctor in terms of what they decided to do with that character and the way McCoy played it. Because he is that intelligent version of the Doctor, but he has this dark side. He also actually is quite actiony in mostly a kind of comedic way, but he'll throw his body around, he'll jump over things, he'll walk That's away true, from yeah. an explosion, all that kind of shit. Like... He kind of is taking kind of the best things we associate with the Doctor a lot of the time. I think it's like intelligent, doing the right thing, knowing what's going on and letting people in when they need to, but not not necessarily endangering his companions when he thinks it's too dangerous or whatever. You know, this kind of just an alien that knows a hell of a lot more than we do, has been around for a hell of a lot longer than we have, comes across very much in The Seventh Doctor and... Definitely more so than previous Doctors, do you think? Not necessarily more so, I think, but just, I think, more consistently, perhaps. Oh, okay. Even with shitty serials here and there. <laughs> Interesting. Anyway, that's what came out of my brain in that 30 seconds. 
snippet. Someone else say things. <laughs> Drew Meister, you've had some exposure to the Seventh Doctor. How how do you feel? How do you feel the Seventh Doctor stands out? I can't really compare him to any previous classic Doctors. Mm-hmm. I would say that he's quite comparable to Capaldi in a way. Interesting. Why? In the sense that Jim was describing it, it resonated with me that he has been around forever. He's got all the knowledge to hand. I'm thinking of Jodie Whittaker. Whenever Jodie Whittaker is trying to call upon her vast reserves, she's slapping her head going, oh no, I can't quite remember for the sake of driving up the tension for a few more seconds and then, oh, now I remember. And there's (laughs) none of that with Capaldi or McCoy. They're all the better for it. Love them both. Just want to point out, when you went Jodie, your hands automatically started just going all over the place. (laughs) I was possessed. And I just want to point out, when you were comparing him to Capaldi, I was pointing at the screen going, yes, because this is the exact same thought I had earlier and haven't been able to voice yet. But nice. yeah, I, th- I think it's partly just that, yeah, slightly, weirdly calming down the Doctor in, in some res- some respects, even though yeah. he is quite a comedic Doctor, the Seventh Doctor. But you can write a straight piece. You can write a heartfelt piece. You can make Michael Ridgway cry with the seventh doctor <laughs> <laughs> sorry to laugh at your tears michael <laughs> <laughs> i mean should we put michael on the spot and say have you cried at any capaldi episodes because i think i probably have yeah same i think i've i've no the only the only other episode i've cried at is the tenant episode in where they go back to ancient rome to pompeii and i was very which is a capaldi capaldi episode <laughs> 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 no, I think you yeah. did it, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Seventh Doctor, he's got that kind of slapstick comic timing, which which Troughton had True. as well at times. He's got the kind of mysterious persona, which I think other Doctors have had as well. He's got the kind of cruel manipulator, which mm. I don't think other Doctors perhaps have had. Maybe you could argue the Sixth Doctor did in some stories. Bet, Trial yeah. the Time Lord one, he's sort of pretending to be a baddie, but he's not really. I don't know. But what I really like about McCoy, what is really different from the others, is the fact that this Doctor is a gambler. He is oh. at times absolutely winging it. And, and he screws up. He's winging it when he goes to rescue Mel with Gavrock. And that kind of goes wrong. He's he's winging it in Remembrance of the Daleks when he destroys the Transmat in episode one and there's a Dalek down there. And at the end of episode three, I think he says, oh, there's no shuttle going to land here. And then the shuttle lands and the episode ends with him saying, oh, I, I've miscalculated. He, he's winging it when he, he climbs down the cliff in Dragonfire. He, he's uh, wait, 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 hang on. I'm gonna have to stop you there. Okay, so when when he climbs down the cliff in Dragonfire, wasn't that the result of a? Isn't that just the result of a production mishap? That they actually thought that the set was going to either be very different or that they hadn't quite written the start of the next. Step. There's something about they think they're heading in a very different tra- uh, trajectory, and that's why it makes sense for him to climb off this cliff. Fast forward to the next week, or we're going to air this episode. Fuck, well, we didn't think about where we're heading. Now you're just hang- dangling off a cliff that you voluntarily <laughs> climbed off of, you absolute nimrod. <laughs> I think you're thinking about this too deeply. Uh, you've got to- <laughs> climbed out it he just miscalculated he miscalculated so, his climbing skills you're, you're saying this this chap <laughs> looks over the a literal cliff's edge and goes 
Oh, yeah, that's about the height of an umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> and then he dangles off it. That's what you're saying. Look, we, don't, clarify. we don't know our limits until we test them. <laughs> that's all we do. He, he probably thought, ah, oh, just Mary Poppins it. Oh, no, the wind speed. There's not enough wind speed. <laughs> But wins in the end in a bunch of stories. But it could easily have gone the other way. Davros easily couldn't have fallen for his fallen for his trick. The Cybermen as well. It could easily have gone very wrong. He 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 just comes across as he is gambling. He is a gambler, and I don't think I've seen that in other Doctors. Hmm. Well, I'm sorry that all my contributions at Doctor Who were Association Tennis. But I'm go. building on what little exposure I have. I think when Jodie Whittaker. Oh. says, oh, I've got a plan. Well, half a plan. Actually, it's a plan-shaped molecule, and it's probably going to fuck up. And, well, here we go. That happens all the time. And so it's just keying into Jim's theory of all of New Who is built off the back of the majestic broad-shouldered Sylvester McCoy. Very, very interesting. I also have a Jodie Whittaker reference in my notes. I wrote down three particular characteristics of the Seventh Doctor era that I feel kind of stand out in comparison to other Doctors. One is exactly as you said, Michael, the manipulation aspect, the manipulation of his companion specifically, Ace specifically. Then we have the theatricality of his performance, which is bonkers. And the last thing, which on my list is number two, actually, but the last thing which I think tallies with Jodie Whittaker is the hint at a mysterious backstory. There is so much of the seventh doctor, which is like, oh, wait, is he actually the first time lord was he there at the beginning of time and space we don't know he's he was around when they invented time travel he was around when they invented regeneration yada 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 they never follow up on it because the show was cancelled but then fast forward to the 13th doctor and she is exactly that so yeah that would be my jody parallel i think strong boom have we had your opinion yet of, of Sylvester McCoy and his majestic majesty. <laughs> his majestic majesty. Majesty. Like so many other doctors, I had I had a preconceived notion of this one that did not tally with my actual experience. I thought that the seventh doctor was going to be an asshole who was not particularly well rounded as a character and who kind of was cancelled for a reason. But I love McCoy. McCoy is amazing. He had the same assumption about the Sixth Doctor. Colin Baker, I thought, was going to just be a really arrogant twat, basically. Someone who was really mean to his companions, who was not particularly personable or charismatic on screen, and then for that reason was shunted off screen in favor of the next one. I was equally wrong about that. So this is the second time in a row that I'm subjected to a classic Who Doctor where actually my personal experience, very limited, sort of real-time, present-day experience of that Doctor, far exceeds what I've been led to believe of, of him. So if there's anyone out there in podcast land who's never watched the Seventh Doctor serial because they were led to believe the Seventh Doctor era was very much what I was led to believe, what the shit are you doing? Why have you listened this far into this <laughs> retrospective? Go and watch the Seventh Doctor era. There are only 12 serials, and they're, on average, really above average. He's a yeah. great doc. I agree with everything you say. I think you've made some really interesting points. So just an observation, when the show was cancelled, after some very, very strong stories in of British science fiction television, that was the end of British science fiction television, a good television on for about, well, until the revival. So that's uh, 16 years. <laughs> a handful. Red Dwarf. Very nice. You know, even that petered out. You, you wow. 
You it's g- still going, man. Yes. He uh, said never having watched it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you had a few, you had Red Dwarf. There were a couple of good things. It was The Last Train was was quite a good series on ITV. But you had like Bugs, you had Crime Traveler, you had Space Precinct. This isn't the kind of creme de la creme of science fiction television. And you can't, I can't help but think that one of the reasons it was sort of unpopular was was because of Doctor Who being made into a, a joke. And, and part of that, I think was facilitated in part by the BBC. They didn't celebrate this programme. And some of these observations aren't mine. There's a very good comedian called Toby Haydoke that does some oh, good yeah, stand-up yeah, stand comedy. And, and he did... he did a, And a great podcast. Yeah, he did a, a routine, Moths Ain't My Doctor Who Scarf. And he, he talks about how, whereas in the US, Star Trek is, is celebrated, but where, whereas Doctor Who became this bit of a joke. And you had a clip show pulled together, which I loved because you had very limited opportunity to sort of see clips of the previous series when, when I was sort of growing up in the early 90s. And it was presented by an animatronic anorak, which is which which was just a it was just a bit of a kick in the face. You had Michael Grade on Room One Hundred One in the mid nineties who put Doctor Who in in Room One Hundred One in the box, and the clip they showed was from Warriors of the Deep. It was it was the pantomime horse sea monster, and the audience were were belly laughing and and. There were so many wonderful moments from this show that they could have shown, but they deliberately chose that. And he went, who was presenting 101 then? Was it? Nick Hancock? Maybe. I don't know. But he asked the audience, who thinks Doctor Who should go in room 101? They had a little TARDIS and everyone put their hands up. Two people dressed in Cybermen said, no, keep it. And it was, everyone was laughing and it was just horrible. And you felt your whole childhood was being mockery of. And the point I'm getting to is, I think McCoy, unfairly, his era took a bit of this blame. And I remember when the new series started, I was on the underground and there was a poster it was an advertisement for the mock the week christmas annual and do you know the format of uh, remember the format of mock the week they would yeah. they would give a phrase and the communities have to act out the response and the phrase in this this poster was worst christmas present ever worst christmas present seventh doctor box set and i remember being so angry to see this I, I, as a child i would have killed for a seventh doctor box set <laughs> <laughs> In the VHSs that were drip-fed, it took years before the first Seventh Doctor one came out. And uh, yeah, unfair. I think unfairly, McCoy was his era was blamed, and and it made me very cross. So we should rectify that. So yes, tell everybody to watch McCoy episodes. Absolutely. <laughs> In conclusion, they certainly should. If they haven't, they've been missing out. That's that's kind of the thing. I feel yeah, like definitely. I was missing out for the longest time, not having watched it. In a sense, that's the best rating I can give a Doctor. That's that's really solid stuff. That is why you started this whole project in the first place. Well, essentially, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, like, and the other thing I hope you've taken from this, Leon, having watched all of classic Doctor Who now, is that what people say, like the majority of fans, the majority of the public, like the public has turned on Doctor Who over the years. Like I actually, I remember growing up with the idea that Doctor Who was rubbish, even though I watched it and liked it. Like the ridicule was there when you were a kid. Like it was really obvious that people thought the Daleks were stupid and couldn't go upstairs, even though that's never a factor in a single serial. Yeah, It's never a problem that like, like when the Daleks started levitating in New Who, I thought, "Oh wow, they've addressed this comment." It's like it didn't need to be addressed, actually. Like they just never mentioned that it was a problem. So why would we think they couldn't levitate? Why would we think stairs were a problem? Like the British public basically well, what, decided it was a problem. Weren't they already levitating in the Seventh Doctor era? In remembrance, aren't they hovering? Possibly they do. Wait, but, yeah, yeah, maybe I'm. 
relaying yeah but it climbs it climbs the stairs at the end of episode one of remembrance that that is the famous isn't that the first time that they do levitate i feel like that is that not yeah that's right but you're absolutely right jim people are mocking doctor who ridiculing it and ridiculing the daleks so they can't climb stairs in the 1990s when they could they could climb stairs yeah but could they in this era or could they all along because i'm pretty sure that in i mean for example if you go back to hartnell times they can only move and trouton times they can only move where there is electromagnetism it's never that's revealed. the only thing yeah it's never revealed though you know you, oh, it totally you know. is man they totally go like <laughs> wait i'm getting electromagnetic read- readings oh my god that can only mean one thing there must be daleks around because that is that is what they need in this universe the only people who use electromagnetism so uh, I, mm. that's only the first hartnell that's only the daleks like, and Troughton, in evil of the daleks they have they encounter is it evil or evil or power of the daleks one of those two I can't remember, but in Invasion of Earth, they're obviously they're obviously all over the place, all over all, all uneven surfaces. That is true. Yeah, no, that is true. Wait, that is. Look, true. I mean, how do they? No, wait, 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 wait. Hang on, sorry, 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 Jim. In Dalek Invasion of Earth, they have overcome. I'm sure that we talked about this in the review. They overcame the lack of electromagnetism on the ground by putting discs on the Dalek backs. And I remember at the time, I think this is Flappy Doodles and I going, why the frick doesn't every dalek have a disc on its back like how often do you have an electromagnetic magnetic track to travel across if you can solve this problem by having a disc on your back just have everyone have a disc on on their backs but so what i'm saying is i think after this episode or this serial i'm pretty sure that they're dependent on that which would also say or suggest they are incapable of traveling upstairs there's one levitating in revelation of the daleks oh shit bananas okay yeah (laughs) Oh, and there are Daleks on the Marie Celeste in what serial, Drew? You got me there. Guess. Guess. The Marie Celeste. Where's the Marie Celeste? The Chase. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it, I could have jumped in for that one. (laughs) I'm sorry, Jim. Sorry, sorry, I'm out of practice. No, 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 I didn't remember it either, but yeah, it's the one you always mention. I tell you what, I feel like I could have like four or five beers and then Doubter and the Bannerman is probably the best thing ever to watch. But in normal <laughs> normal senses, it's, no. <laughs> it's bloodthirsty. It, when all the tourists get just blown up. Yeah, on when the they bus. buy it, good start. <laughs> <laughs> also, the alien outfit that they have that we only get to see for a split second that they use to morph into humanoid tourists. Mm. That look sort of like uh, Day of the Tentacle-ish bad guys. Lovely. Yes, yes, You know, like yes. the, the purple triangle Before they turn into alien. humans. Exactly. Yeah, they walk yeah. through an arch. They should have they... kept them as, as tentacle people. So good. Um, so good. The, oh, sorry. One thing we didn't cover was just the, the kind of bloodthirstiness of his era. Millions, millions of beings die across across these these 12 stories. More or more so than other doctors, do you think? I, I'm not. More so than later doctors possibly i mean i'm just thinking of dragonfire alone where that spaceship blows up but in in yeah. remembrance of daleks you've got a whole solar system that gets destroyed i wonder it'd be interesting to look at it i'm sure someone's done this but to look at on-screen deaths and just count the on-screen deaths of eras and because and, it just feel like there feels like a lot of death 
in the Twelfth Doctor era, it, it's quite grisly. I mean, I guess a lot of people die in Doctor Who in general, but I think you might be onto something. Like, I'm just glancing through the episode list and just like, or serial list rather, and thinking about the general concept of them. And it's like, there are battles, there are people that just get taken over by beings and obliterated or entire planets wiped out and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, There's not really like a positive undertone to anything. There's no kind of really saving things. It's just not making it quite so shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm ready to leave the Seventh Doctor. It, Drew and I, fortunately, we've been very privileged, haven't we? We've encountered the Seventh Doctor in audio formats. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. So, Podcast Land, if you haven't had enough of the Seventh Doctor after watching him on TV, then please do and go and explore the Seventh Doctor audiobooks because there's some there's some really good stuff in there. I also think if, like Leon, you had a misconception about the Sixth and Seventh Doctor and you haven't watched them all yet, go and watch them because I think you will be pleasantly surprised. Nice. That is a lovely way to round off the perhaps, let's call it the first segment of this podcast episode because we are not the only people with opinions of the Seventh Doctor. So why don't we, why don't we cut here and have a listen to what Podcast Land has to say? What do you say? Let's! <laughs> Listener minis, now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Kablamatron Podcast Land, and welcome to the Listener Mini section of this podcast episode. We have not one, not two, not three, not four, but five Listener Minis for this retrospective. Boop, and boop, boop, boop. Exactly that many whoops. And we have decided, you know what? Seventh Doctor retrospectives only come come round once in a while. We're going to read all five. First out the gate, who is it? Why well, it's the Meister himself, Peter Zunich. What up, Peter? Hello, Peter. <laughs> Hello. Peter starts. This Doctor came into his mysterious and manipulative side, which is truly his most fascinating aspect, only in the later stories. There's a stark contrast in his acting between his two companions. With Mel, he was rather goofy. With Ace, the performer side carried over, but he quickly became much more contemplative and serious. While I liked Mel, I'd place Ace in the lead, if nothing else, for having a backstory. The Rani easily takes best new foe. Not always written great, but the performance was entrancing. Ooh, a friend who agrees with me. Ooh. Peter continues, there were other mood swings to the series. For me, the downside was the <clears throat> dull and overbearing dragon fire. The peak has to be the three in a row of Battlefield, Ghostlight, and Curse of Fenric. Greatest show was a slow burn. Happiness Patrol was the ultimate satire. Ancient foes and things not done abound. It seems the series ended just as it was finding what it really wanted to be. Indeed, there are so many memorable stories I understand why people love this era. However, when one mentions the Seventh Doctor, <laughs> my mind immediately jumps to Paradise Towers. It's quintessential McCoy minus the mysterious nature. This Doctor's era obviously ended far ahead of when it should have, and many of his stories would fit perfectly in New Who. Mm. Overall, a somewhat scattered but very memorable run. Sylvester is the only Doctor I've met in real life, and I'm honoured to have done so. What was, what could have been, 4.0. Holy smokes! 
That's a pretty mm. solid rating for a Doctor's era. Hell yeah. 4.0. I don't think we have to ask what you would give the Doctor's five out of five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 4.0 is, is very good. Very nice, Peter. Nice Thank little you very much for sending that in. Humble bragging there about meeting the set of Doctor. Nice, yeah. nice work, Peter. Uh, yeah, no biggie. I met Sly McCoy. No, no worries, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Who's next? Why, next up, it's Kieran Evans. What up, Kieran? Hello, Kieran. The Omni Reviewer. <laughs> Kieran begins. Hi, folks. Being someone who has been watching Classic Who and the Seventh Doctor era for quite a while, despite being younger than our dynamic duo of hosts, another humble brag, no. I'm fairly on board <laughs> with this era. No more Sir Ward killing lots of people and barely involving the Doctor. He is right in the middle of things and, most of the time, in charge of things. Ace is a great companion and a perfect match for the seventh Doctor. Bonnie Langford as Mel is trying, but the writing just isn't there for her often. Best story, says Kieran, Remembrance of the Daleks, though I really do love Curse of Fendrix. Worst story, Delton the Bannerman, underrated by our dynamic duo, greatest show in the galaxy. Sorry, you're wrong, Kieran. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it's true. You are wrong. Kieran continues with best villain, Fenric slash evil, or Morgane. A little indecisive mm. there, Kieran. Fair enough, fair enough. Worst villain, the great architect from Paradise Towers. Nice. Here's my friend who agrees with me. Hungry! <laughs> best monster, creature, the destroyer, battlefield, purely for the design. Nice. Worst monster, creature, the creature in Dragonfire. Or the male Chimerons from Delta and the Bannerman. Chimerons, have I pronounced that? I'm so glad that you got that because I have no idea. Is it Chimerons or Chimerons or Chimerons? I'm not entirely sure. Wait, who are they? Who are they? Who are they? Is the the male... Wait, is this the... No. Are these the green guys? Maybe. But they were the best thing about the uh, series. I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. Doctor Who, there we go. Chimeron. Yeah, it's the green dudes. Oh! Pronounced Shimmeron. Shimmeron. Right. Agree to disagree, Kieran. <laughs> <laughs> but don't stop shimmering on all the same. Absolutely not. Where can you catch Kieran shimmering on online? Oh my goodness, I'm so glad that you asked. Because you can find Kieran wherever you can find environmentally conscious multi-person transports vehicles. <laughs> Head on over to at KJ Evans 2 for all your Evan needs. Twice. Use the promo code who back when all in one words for 10% off your first order. Thank you very much, Kieran. Hi, Kieran. <laughs> Who's next? Next up, it's Daniel, a.k.a. Doctor in Waiting. Hello, Daniel. Daniel begins. Hello, guys and girls. This is less of a Seventh Doctor retrospective and more of a thank you for your years of wonderfully podcasting. Oh my goodness. I want to thank you for giving us so much of your time and energy and creating a wonderful and complete library of reviews for new and classic Who, not to mention all the efforts that goes into the stats and Vindex. Having found... I'm reading this because I think it speaks for me as well, that's why. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> oh. Having found you during your reviews of the third Doctor serials when Leon was joined by Nicolaley and supermarket energy drinks and vodka were the order of the day, you have been my companion ever since. I forgot about that. You have accompanied me on my journeys to work whilst mowing the lawn, in the gym, swimming and even showering. Oh, mission accomplished. <laughs> that is all uh, I wanted, ever. I just have to... Being number one 
I just want to clarify like, because this is just a podcast and nothing is written on your screens right now. It's G Y M Jim, not J I M Jim. Okay, just, just... <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> like Ace and the Seventh Doctor, I feel you're now making your farewell speech and walking over the hill in Paravale. Oh, oh my god! What? Oh, oh what? Is everyone else crying out there? <laughs> Daniel, Land? Ah. Oh. Third time I've ever cried at Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, Daniel, this is amazing. Daniel continues, I am one of the seventh Doctor Club, born at the start of the 80s. The only Doctor Whos I saw live were the 24th to 26th seasons. So Sylvester McCoy is my Doctor, and what a great Doctor he is. Here, here. During his three seasons, he transforms from part comedy act to man of authority and mystery. It is said that people are shaped by their experiences. Well, thank Doctor Who for shaping my childhood and giving me some lifelong traits, says Daniel. The first trait being a strong sense of right and wrong. To know that the clever man is the more powerful man. The Doctor confronting the sniper in Happiness Patrol. You and I friend agrees with you, Michael. Oh my god. <laughs> An attraction to dark hair women in knee-high boots. Thank you, Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, Ronnie, yeah. indeed. <laughs> A distaste for sweets. Literally didn't touch sweets until my late teens. Thank you, Candyman. And finally, a dislike of the circus and clowns. Thank you, greatest murder show in the galaxy. Thank you very much indeed. And Leon, how does Daniel conclude? Oh my goodness. Daniel concludes, and thank you, Who Back When, for allowing me to be your companion on this temporal road. Daniel, thank you. Thank you for traveling with us down the temporal road. It's been our pleasure. And thank you for such a wonderful, lovely, heartwarming mini. Thank you, Daniel. Oh, I'm gonna cry. Thanks, Daniel. No. Who's next? <laughs> Why, next up, it's GP Haynes. Yeah, try following that GP. <laughs> I say G. You all say P. G. P. 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 G. P. P. Yeah, that's right. Hello, GP. That's right. Hello, GP. Hello, lovely people, starts GP. Well, I have to say the seventh Doctor was fantastic. Despite having a few really crappy serials, I actually rate him my third best classic Doctor after Pertwee and Tom Baker. Hmm. Uh, GP continues, I really didn't enjoy Ghostlight or The Greatest Show, two of the worst <laughs> stories ever, but the Dalek and Simon <laughs> stories rank right up there with the best of classic Who. Nice. Sadly for McCoy, he came too late to the game, where production budgets and even the actors hired were declining. His pairing with Ace, still one of the best Doctor Companion partnerships ever. Mm. Agreed. GP enjoyed his manipulative and darker side, the darker side in particular, <laughs> something relatively unseen in classic Who times to this degree. Of course, in hindsight, we know some of the reasons for this. Some good, some bad. He could have really shined if he had got the role, say, after Tom Baker, where the role needed some zest and invigoration instead of the lackluster Davison. <laughs> Sorry. Instead, we get the tail end of the classic run, which left a lot of people disappointed with McCoy. I, for one, concludes GP, am glad that history is showing his tenure is much beloved and regarded highly by many. Me included! Well done. And GP rates, 
the seventh Doctor's run as 4.1 umbrellas tripping people up. Wow. Oh. <laughs> I'd just yeah. like to point out it's so good that so many people have ignored the Mock the Week anti-Seventh Doctor propaganda. <laughs> bought the Seventh Doctor box sets, which make wonderful Christmas presents for your children and your loved ones. <laughs> here, here. Use uh, the code GP, Michael so loves much the Seventh Doctor to get it for 20% off. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. GP, thank you so much for that mini. People who are not GP, fret not, you can do the next best thing and follow GP on Insta and YouTube. GP can be found where, Drew? At Finding G Sports. Oh, yes. All in one word for your <laughs> convenience. Thank you very much, GP. Who's last? Last up is Isaac. <laughs> What up, Isaac? <laughs> Sorry, the Negronis are hitting me. I apologize. <laughs> Isaac starts. Events tended to happen much faster than I anticipated for the seventh Doctor, and we are suddenly and surprisingly at the end of his road already. What a Doctor! Funny, weird, disarming, cryptic and goofy. Sylvester McCoy's incarnation is wonderful to watch, no matter what serial he's in, including Delta and the Bannerman. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it's awards time. Oh, nice. Oh, Isaac, I'm loving this format. First award, best serial, Battlefield. Oh, nice. Best small man in a massive suit award (laughs) goes to Rex in survival. Wait, which one is Rex? I got mixed up with Pex in Happiness Patrol, in in, in, um, Paradise Towers. We never spoke of Pex. He was was fantastic. Oh, that's true, yeah. I mentioned the himbo. So, not sure who that is, but I'll take it. I'm guessing he was a cheater person. Nice. Very nice. Best monster slash villain, the chief clown. Cover your ears, Leon. Sorry, I gave you that way too late. From the greatest show <laughs> in the galaxy. Yep. I just barfed a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> Best female companion for the Serial for Race Award, Mags. Greatest show. Wait, who's... Oh, Mags is the cat. Yeah. Not werewolf, like were- oh, yeah, yeah, cat. Yeah. She turns into a werecat, doesn't she? Yeah, nice. Very... That's a solid award. Oh my goodness, Isaac. So that's the first of Ace's two feline companions. Yes, that's right. But not the first companion for Ace. Because the first companion for Ace... Wait, hang on. What does that happen later on? Is I'm thinking the... I mean, the Ace other... makes friends in every single serial who may or may not feature really in the story. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying two of them were cats. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Ace, I understand. (laughs) I get it. I just want to point out, Liam, that Greatest Show in the Galaxy is coming up the top of a lot of people's lists here. I know, but you know what? Nobody's perfect. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. What's the next award? Let's move past that. (laughs) (laughs) Why? (laughs) It's the Laugh Out Loud Award. The Cyberman in Silver Nemesis who acts out the concept of madness by wobbling his head and waving his hands (laughs) in the air. Is this the human condition of madness? (laughs) Yes, the answer is yes. Accurate. (laughs) The What the Fuck Award for Best Fever Dream, Happiness Patrol. Fair. And Isaac concludes with my first review mentioned the gonzo bonkers insanity of this era. And I can't think of a better compliment for this incredibly weird, creative, and memorable era of Doctor Who. 
It's been wicked. Oh, hasn't it just? Capitalize like it's the musical wicked. I'm not sure if there's a reference there. <laughs> <laughs> it's written in that exact same font. Thank you, Isaac, for taking the time to pick that font. Isaac, wonderful mini. Love the awards. Really, really good stuff. Thank you very much. People who are not Isaac, please tell Isaac just how amazing Isaac is. People can follow Isaac where, Jim? At Ms. Monster Adams. That's right. Thank you very much, Isaac. And thank you, everyone who sent something in for this episode. Wowee. That not only concludes our seventh Doctor retrospective, but that that concludes our time with the seventh Doctor on Who Back When. I mean, barring Unless little... we're doing that bonus episode, of course. Oh, yes. And then he does <laughs> get machine gunned in the, in the movie. Yeah, exactly. That's the first little bit of the movie. Yeah. Uh, oh, right. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yes. Right. But it concludes this retrospective anyway. <laughs> Peeps, <laughs> you have been absolutely lovely. Fret not, though. This is not the last of Doctor Who. There's still a little bit left. Next up, we are probably doing a... Let, let's call it a classic, shall we? It is Jim Cakes. Well, it's that thing that I just mentioned, Doctor Who the movie. That's right. After which we're back in New Who territory with what, Drew? Legend of the Sea Devils. It's really good, I hear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. At some point, we have promised that we're going to do some kind of Audio Who review as well. Michael, do you know what that's going to be of? I believe it's going to be of all the, uh, the season four of, of The Seventh Doctor, all the, all the missing adventures, back, ah. to the, back to back. Yeah, you hear wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be of Redacted. And at some point, we're going to do a bonus Who episode, and it will be of, very likely... Dimensions in Time, Scream of the Shalker. That's right! Dimensions in Shalker, Shalker in Time! Exactly right. The uh, unofficial anniversary specials. Well, yeah, fine, Podcast Land. Pens down, we're doing this after the Seventh Doctor retrospective. We get it. We understand where you are. In the meantime, you can say hi to us online in one way or another. Jim Cakes, where can you be found? I can be found not doing anything on Mastodon at jimmy at the whatnow.eu. <laughs> Drew, where can you be found? I can be found at the other end of an email if you message whobackwhen at gmail.com, as can we all. That's right. Apart from Michael, but we'd let him know. <laughs> we would. Similarly, we can all be found at whobackwhen, all in one word, for your convenience. I can be found at Ponkin, P-O-N-K-E-N. But please, most importantly, (laughs) to our guest of honor, and may I take this opportunity to say, Michael, thank you so much. And please, might I add, so big. Thank you very much for having oh. me. Thank you for joining us this evening. Oh, where can people find you and tell you just how big you are? I can be found on bad. Underscore. Movie. Underscore. Club. <laughs> I don't know why there's underscores in there. I just messed up my Twitter handle. Creating it. That's, that's... <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. There you have it, podcast land. <laughs> Go find them. Thank you again for listening. You've been a lovely audience. Until the next time, please rock on. Be rad and excellent to one another. And cha-chao. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. 
Tell your friends. But I've got no friends. No problemo. Tell some strangers. Hooray! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao. Who back when?